Hi there, I'm Dallas Travers, and you're listening to Coaches on a Mission. This show is for values-driven coaches who want to quiet the noise, get to work, and build a business that's authentic, that's profitable, and most importantly, one that makes a difference in people's lives. So my guest today is Camille Brown, who helps bakers become confident recipe developers so they can create drool-worthy desserts and create thriving businesses at the same time. So Camille rolled out a membership program earlier this year, and now she's got a bunch of questions about the next step for this program, but also for her business. You see, Camille doesn't want to be the bottleneck slowing growth down, and at the same time, She isn't totally interested in hosting a program that lacks any personal connection. So we just tackled a list of Camille's questions to help her scale wisely. Now, you've probably heard me say this before, but it bears repeating here. Scaling is a bit of a buzzword in the online coaching space, but I'm not totally sure that everyone who sells scalability actually understands what scaling really means. So if you look it up in the dictionary, you will find that scaling is about growing without feeling hampered, which means that for some of us, bigger isn't necessarily better. And every coach simply needs to design a scaled business model that aligns with their own values, goals, and work style. So that's what Camille strived for in this episode, and I think we got somewhere. We both want her to grow her membership in an aligned, enlivening, and sustainable way. So here's a quick summary of the questions that we addressed. Number one, how can you tell when it's time to grow? Number two, what's the best way to manage growth so that you don't compromise the program in some way? Number three, how can you set and meet expectations inside your community? Number four, when is it time to hire and what on earth should we delegate? And number five, what clues should you watch out for to reveal that you're ready to grow again? There are lots of gems inside this conversation and I cannot wait to share them with you. So with that, here's Camille Brown. Camille, welcome to Coaches on a Mission. It's so nice to have you here. Hi, Dallas. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here with you today. Me too, because my goodness, you are such an implementer. I'm going to start. There's so many things I'm going to do, and I got to just take a beat here. So first of all, how's it going for you inside of the hive? It's actually going pretty well. I feel like there are different phases where I'm heavily in the hive and then where I have to step back and be more in my business. But I feel like I'm implementing the things I've learned. So, so far, I think it's going really well. Great. And it was a couple of months ago now. Time is so relative. It could have been two years. (laughs) It wasn't, but (laughs) it was a couple of months ago now that you volunteered for a coaching call. And we talked about an easy way that you could leverage the attention you were getting on Instagram. And it kind of led to a shift in your niche almost. So could you fill our listeners in on the transformation and in particular, the membership that you've rolled out in the last couple of months? Yeah. So originally I was going the private coaching route and I just wasn't getting a lot of response to that because I think bakers in general aren't in the same business mindset as say like a marketer. And so mm-hmm. they're not looking to spend the same kind of money or to get private coaching or they don't yeah. want to pay for it. <laughs> they, they don't want to, because there's so many videos and stuff online. And so as we've kind of worked through this in our coaching calls, we came to the conclusion that with my Instagram audience growing, that it would be better to maybe do a subscription based program where I teach two classes a month and then they have access to those recordings like as long as they're enrolled and there's no, there's no contract for it. So they can be in the program for as long or as little as they like, it's really up to them and they can come and go. So sometimes people will come for like one session and then they'll be back like in a year if they want to do what (laughs) I'm doing then. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so the target audience for your membership, has it shifted from professional bakers and food bloggers? Tell us a little bit about the audience. 
Yes. So originally it was going to be recipe developers and food bloggers. And I have probably one or two people like that in my program, but for the most part, it's home bakers now. It's people who want to know how to do this on their own, but they're not looking to go like start a career with it, but they just want to know how to do it. And I have a couple of people who have a background in baking, but they still don't know how it works. So they, they want that help. Yes. And so what you're really good at, just to loop our listeners in, folks, Camille is really good at developing original baking recipes. And that is the focus of of your membership, is giving people the confidence and the knowledge to be able to feel comfortable enough, experimenting enough to develop their own recipes. Yes. And yeah, so many people just come to me saying, I don't have experience with any of it. And they just want to know how to do it. So that's the goal. Yeah. And it's because your Instagram feed is so yummy. (laughs) There's something about your Instagram feed where I look at your videos and it's actually called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I'll explain in a second for everybody. I look at your videos and immediately think, oh, I could totally bake that, which is a lie. (laughs) But the Dunning-Kruger effect, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but basically the less knowledgeable we are, about something, the more confident we are in our abilities to do it. <laughs> I then, love that. <laughs> and as we gain knowledge, our confidence dips. So actually, I want everyone listening to plug into this a little bit. Think about when you first started your coaching business and how, great, you got your certification, you were going to hang hang your shingle and immediately get a bunch of clients. And whether that happened or not, as the months progress and you become more experienced, we realize what it really takes to build a business. And that's when our confidence starts to plummet. So as we actually should be more confident because we're more knowledgeable, our confidence takes a hit. But if we're able to stick with it long enough, soon those roads converge and our confidence matches our experience. So thank you for letting me talk about the Dunning-Kruger yeah, effect. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that context, what would you like to walk away with from our time together today? Okay. So right now, since I've had my program going for three months, I'm in a growth, like heavy growth phase. And so it's really knowing how to manage the growth like knowing when I need to bring on more help so I'm not bottlenecking my own progress and the bakers' progress who are in the program. And also just, I wanted to touch on price a little bit because I think that's such an abstract concept when it comes to anything, mm-hmm. but just maybe getting some direction to help me figure out really how to shift that in the future and to make more money, but to make sure I'm serving them completely still. Yeah. Great. So the membership, and it's still called Baker Street Society. Yeah. Okay. So Baker Street Society, you launched it. You've got around 70 people in it the first time you opened enrollment. And you're in the process now of moving into open enrollment again. Yes. Right? And that's the time of this recording. Dear listener, probably not when the episode airs. So. So people are in, people are loving it, and you see a potential for growth. So how do we stay in front of the growth so that you can scale wisely? That's what I hear you asking. Yes, that's right. Okay, great. Where do you want to start? Should we start with the price? Should we start with hiring and delegation? Let's start with price. I think that's one that's really been on my mind from the beginning when I've done this. Yeah. So right now it's $29 a month, and that's it. Like it's flat fee, $29. And I've debated where what you've taught me is that I should build this out the way I would build out a program as if I was just offering it to somebody. And so, so each course, I guess you'll say I have courses is two to three months. So people right now are coming in about every three months. That's kind of how it's going to be. And so I close enrollment between, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a secondary question that I wanted to ask about so we can touch on that. But So right now it's 29 and I think my goal is to eventually get to $49 a month. But the thing I keep coming back to is that at $29, people are likely to stay a lot longer. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what if I just go to 35 even, you know, it's still more money in the end and it helps me to hire out somebody eventually. So, but I'm just debating at what point do you raise a price, especially where it's so new still? Like, would it be wise to wait till next January? Or I don't know. That's my Mm -hmm. question. Yeah. I don't think it's the calendar 
that will answer this question for us. Instead, it's the customer experience. So most of the podcast listeners are coaches, and I can feel it already. They're listening to this right now screaming, like, you got to raise your rates, you got to raise your rates. So I want to give them a little bit of context here. Camille touched on it a little bit, folks, but the Baker Street Society is a wonderful program that is really nice to have. It's not solving an urgent problem like how to move through divorce with grace or how to make 10K a month on Instagram, right? So I would put it in, it's valuable, but it's in the nice, it's in the extra category, right? So understanding that we decided to go with a high volume, low price point model with the intention that you just shared, if it's the price of a gym membership, right, people will likely stay longer. So that doesn't mean you always have to keep it at 29, but I just want to loop everyone listening in on the really well thought out strategy behind this price point. What we're looking for, everybody, is longevity in the program. So we want your people to stay for years, Right. And so then the lifetime customer value is actually much higher than it would be if it was a $97 a month membership, for example. Tell me more about why you're even asking yourself this question of well, when is the right time to raise the price? Maybe this is where I need to let go of it. But $29 is great. But then, you know, as anyone knows who uses processing fees for credit cards, there's fees and all these things that come out. So you're not really landing at that even. And so I think I know how much work I'm putting into it. And on an individual level, because I have a Facebook group as well. So when they have questions, I answer every question for them, like because they're asking for my expertise. So I'm giving a lot, but I also don't feel like I need to charge people $100 a month. It's more mm -hmm. like $35 a month. It's not like a big bump. I think I just would like to, I know sometimes people associate value with price as well. So that's one thing where I've wondered, do people think this is just like, you know, not going to be worth their time because it's $29? Cause I know people think that way, you know, yeah. sometimes people think more money means more value, but not always. Yeah. So I think that's what I've been trying to figure out is, am I putting myself in a category where people will think it's not really going to be what's going to help me? Yeah, I totally hear you. So a couple of things here. Number one, we're going to have a pricing conversation and land at a decision during this episode, but it's going to be a temporary decision because I want to give you an assignment, which is to actually look at your profitability. Okay. I think oftentimes we just sort of pick the price that we can tolerate. Like what's my mood today? And I want you to, to really, could you spend the rest of this month tracking your hours? How much time are you actually spending on the membership? And then after all of your expenses, what's the profit, right? Okay. Yeah. And then that, that will illuminate things and probably cause you to shift the number we land on today. So it's not just about like, when is it time to raise my price? It's like, what are my financial goals here? What's the, the easiest path to get there? And one path could be, I'm going to keep it at a really low price point and go all in on enrollment. Yes. And I'm going to manage, pull back a little bit on how much I'm giving inside the program. That could be one path, right? Another path could be, I'm going to incrementally bump the price up until I find the sweet spot, until I launch. And instead of 79 people joining, I have 17 people joining. Sure. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then you can always adjust it back down. Right. Yes. And then a third possible strategy could be to have a VIP level of the membership. Oh, okay. So for $29, I get access to the classes. For $79, I get access to the classes plus the Facebook group where I can ask you questions. Okay. Yeah. How would you approach that with people who are already in though? Well, because I kind of have given like a guarantee like that's your set price. So they just get it, right? That's, yeah. That's the, one of the benefits of being an early adopter yes. and a charter member. Which I'm great with. I think they have earned that yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And then, okay. you know, we had a price increase for for Hive members at the end of last year where I people after they finished their first year, the price was way too low. <laughs> and I started to see it impacting the way those longtime members were actually showing up in the program. 
Okay. And the impact that had on the community. So at that point, uh, it was a, a hard decision, but it was the right decision. We did end up raising their price and we gave them tons of notice and did it as ethically yeah. as we possibly could. So just know that that day could come for you okay. down the road. Yeah. It may not, but it could. Okay, so we talked about three possible paths here. One is two levels of the membership. One is incremental price increases. And the other is keep it as a no-brainer price point and focus on high volume. Which one today feels like your path? I feel like the high volume feels most aligned because I know myself and I know I'm going to want to help people. It's just, it's just the natural, like with what it is, I know that people need to be able to ask questions and that's my favorite part of the program. And so, oh, okay. yeah, I really love it when they have ahas and yeah, because totally. of what they're asking. And, and so I think that part is huge. So I think the high volume, low cost is probably the way to stay at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually, I'm glad you're saying that. I agree. Yeah. I feel like at $29, it really is a no-brainer for folks. Yeah. And you launched it once, got 79 people in. You could you could crank that up, right? Yeah, I'm hoping I double. I'm hoping I double it this time. Yeah. So we'll see. That would be awesome. Okay. So did we answer the question then? Yes. And the I, answer is don't change your price? <laughs> at least not for the foreseeable future. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about how you can manage your own boundaries so that you don't give so much that you quietly build up resentment? Yeah. I think one of the things I noticed is that I did, I regret this now when I did the Facebook group, I didn't say like Monday through Friday. So now I'm having to figure out how to put that in there. So people don't feel like disappointed. I guess I can't worry about it, but like just having my weekends where I'm not giving that time is huge for me. It helps me to just like recharge. Yeah. So I have to put it in there now. So they yeah. know. I think that's okay because they're still getting access to me Monday through Friday business hours. And, and I think that's a big one. Your customers appreciate clarity and they're rooting for you. And let's talk about it. But when you can articulate the why behind this decision, they will support you. And the okay. ones who won't should probably go anyhow. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts that come to mind just to build out actually better customer service and stronger boundaries so that you have some breathing room. The first one, like you mentioned, is letting everyone know that, like, what are office hours, yes. essentially? And I would recommend taking it even further and creating, how would we call it? Like creating a thread. I'm making this up a little bit, but maybe there's a questions for Camille thread and all questions for you get posted in that thread only. That way you're not combing through the Facebook group, looking for notifications and people are wondering if you saw their post or not. And so the guideline is hmm, backing it up. Nothing is ever bad news. Okay, you're making an intentional improvement to the program. So it's not unfortunate. You're not apologizing, okay. right? Yeah. You're really striving to create a better experience for all, including yourself. I think that's a really good way because I think in my head I feel apologetic about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay. So that's just a, something that I, I had an assistant a lifetime ago. Uh, this was back when we worked, Zoom didn't exist, right? We were like in an office and I would hear her on the phone. Someone would call and ask, like, can I stop by at 6 p.m.? And her answer was, oh, unfortunately, no, we leave the office at five. That's just an example. And I thought, that's not unfortunate. <laughs> right. Like we don't have to apologize for that. It's just kind of a buzzkill, right? Yeah. So we practice this mindset of nothing is bad news, especially when we are intentional about the way we give customer service and the why behind it. So when yeah. you make this announcement, I would recommend that you say something like, I put a lot of thought into this decision and my goal is to improve everyone's experience inside the program, which means I need to have better boundaries so that I don't burn out inside of this Facebook group. Yes. Okay. I love that. Great. 
So here's what we're going to do. And I would recommend that you think about when are you going to hold your Q&A time, right? So I'm going to make it up, okay. right? We're yeah. recording this on a Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. So maybe every Wednesday morning, and you don't even have to say the exact time, right? Like I pop in Wednesday mornings, Thursdays afternoons, and Monday nights. And I go through the Q&A thread to answer everybody's questions. Okay. So I let them know really when I'll be in there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so if you have a question for me, I really want to answer it. Make sure to put it in the Q&A thread. We'll have a fresh one every month just so it doesn't get so long that it's hard for oh, people yeah. to navigate through it. Okay. Right. We'll have a fresh Q&A thread every single month. If you don't put your question in the Q&A thread, I will miss it. So please make sure to put your questions there and I'll be in Monday night, Wednesday morning and, and Thursday afternoons. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So here's the hard part. You have to stick to those rules. Okay. I know that is the hard part. <laughs> right? Because if you get loose, right, yeah. then, then everybody gets loose. I have a question about that. And yeah. maybe this is just what, something I don't know. When I do a thread like that, are people able to like post comments and pictures? Because a lot of the times my bakers will send me a picture and say, this is what happened. Did I do this right? So I don't know in those threads, can they do that still? Yes. Yeah, so in okay. the comments to an original post, they okay. can upload photos. Oh, good. Okay. Then that will keep it simple. Okay. Okay, great. Any other, let's just let this land for a second. Any other thoughts or questions around Facebook group boundaries before we shift gears? No, I think that's good because I always feel like I'm working because I'm always, you know, somebody asked me a question at 10 at night, I can leave it, but I don't like to. So by doing this, it lets me just, they know that yeah. I'll get to it and I can go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to stay up and do it. So yeah. Yes. Yes. And so the important thing is if someone tags you in a post, the easier action would be to just answer it. Yeah. Instead, you have to say, great question. Please post it in the Q&A thread so that I can answer it on Wednesday morning. Okay. So yeah. I need to be very firm with that and make you sure they do really it. Firm. Okay. And here's why this is so valuable, especially with the Facebook group. The algorithm is not our friend. It like randomly prioritizes posts in any way it feels like. So as a user, now I know if what I want is community, I know where to find it. I can just post in the group. If what I want is your expert eyes, I know where to post that. And I also know where to scroll. Okay, got it. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, yeah. I'm just sort of digging. It's like digging through a junk drawer, right? Sure. Looking for a stapler. So it, it will actually create a better user experience for okay. your community. Okay, I love that. Cool. Yeah. I really do want to challenge you to be in there no more than four days a week. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. All right. So we talked about the price. And for now, we're going to really stretch into high volume, low price point, aiming for high retention. Then we talked about if that's what we're doing, how can we build, how can we communicate really clear structure around access to you so that you don't burn out or build resentment? Is there anything else you want to talk to around that piece before we shift to hiring and delegation? No, I think, I think that's spot on. Okay, great. So hiring, <laughs> what are your questions around this? I think because I've never done it. Yeah. I mean, it's always just been me. And this is the first time where I've really taken this and started making money with it. Aside from like a food blog, it's very different. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just trying to figure out how do I know when I'm holding myself back from, I don't know if it's giving more or being able to give more time into what I'm doing because with what I do, I'm in the kitchen so much that I have to be doing that and I can't be getting emails from people saying, can you help me with my membership? It's that kind of stuff. It's a lot of the like task kind of things, or I would say the Facebook group, but I know I can't have somebody else do that yet. Yeah. I know I have to stick with that, but it's really like a lot of administrative stuff or even just posting on Instagram. Sometimes it just takes like an hour. And I think, was that even worth it? I don't know. I don't know if it right. was worth it today. Yeah. Right. Right. So 
For most coaches that I serve, their business is not yet at six figures yet. Right. Mine's definitely not. Right. Yeah. I, we, I have other like clients at all kinds of income levels, but when I look at who the hive is created for, it's for the coach who's really building. Right. So at this phase in your business, we have to really pay attention to your overhead. And it's it's the financial overhead, but it's also the energy overhead. So I've said this before on the show, but your job is three things. Number one, you are the talent, right? Especially because your marketing funnel is Instagram and it works really well. So you need to be available to take photos and film. You are the talent. Number two, you're the chief marketing officer and you're the, you're the coach. Yes. So it's time to hire when you can't show up for those three very big jobs in a way that enlivens you. Okay. So emails like, what's my password? Or can I update my credit card? That distracts you from bringing in more customers. And that's what I've been feeling. Like, I'm not at the point yet, but I know there's going to come a point in the next year where I'm going to go, I need to not think about that stuff anymore because it's just taking energy. And for me, it's less about the money and more about the energy that it takes. Completely. Okay. A couple of tips around, I want to speak into what to do until you are ready to hire because it builds off of some of the boundaries we just discussed inside of the Facebook group. I'm going to strongly recommend that you set up an autoresponder on whatever the customer service email is that folks use to get in touch with your customer service team, which is you. (laughs) (laughs) Set up an autoresponder that says, like, thanks, we got your email, right? There's no need to follow up. You will hear back from us within 72 hours. Okay, got it. Right? Yeah. And 72, it's never going to take you three days. But guess what? Now you get to surprise and delight. You get to beat expectations because you get back to them within a day. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And then the other really key thing here, and again, it's so easy to say and hard to do, just like you've got hours to clock in for the Facebook group, have dedicated hours to reply to emails. Okay. That's a good idea. Otherwise, you could just live in your inbox all day long, right? Yes. And I think I do sometimes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then the last thing, I want you to try to visualize this. This is for our listeners too. Camille, there's there's inbox management training inside the hive where we I move through this okay. more specifically. But there are probably five or six questions that you get asked on repeat, right? So begin to create templates and where we actually save those response templates is inside of the drafts of our Gmail account. Okay. Right. So we just create a draft and the subject line says in brackets template, just so we know, right? Template. And then the subject line will say how to, like, it will be the question the person's asking. How do I reset my password? Okay. Right. Got it. Yeah. We have one that says, I don't like what you did. And it's just like a rough template for how we respond to complaints. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So then someone asks, how do I reset my password? You can just go grab that template, paste it into the response and, you know, insert their name and customize it. So that will become more efficient. But what you're also setting yourself up to do is easily delegate this when you are ready to hire because everything will be written for your customer service specialist. You don't have to take the time to create that alongside them. Okay. I will start doing that. That's a great idea. Great. Great. Okay. So when it comes to hiring, we want to look at your like profit margin and your energy margin. So until you're ready to hire, what we just talked about, everybody, was build some very clear structure around when you're showing up to provide customer service and just communicate with folks. You've got that autoresponder. You're communicating with people so that they feel taken care of. And then we're just like becoming more and more efficient because you can build out those pre-made templates. Yeah, I actually really love that because I think... For me, having things like that to just grab and plug in really help because 
I'm very task oriented. So it's like, if I can just do that, that will help me a lot. Yeah. Great. 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 Wouldn't it be great if you could just build your business focusing on your strengths? I see too many coaches struggling to fit into a certain mold and they ignore the easy path. So let's put an end to that. What I want you to do is go to dallastravers.com slash quiz. I've put together a 45 second superpower quiz designed to reveal two things. Number one, the very next step in your business, whether that's list building, client attraction, or scaling with a course. And number two, the natural strength you possess to help you accomplish that task. When you get your results, you'll also get a custom built toolkit with actionable items you can put in place right away to finally make this growth path simpler because you're doing what you do best. So the link again is dallastravers.com slash quiz. Go and check it out and then let me know on Instagram how you scored. Okay, so at some point you are going to hire and it sounds like the big hire to make is a customer service specialist. Great. How are you going to know when it's time? I think it's whenever I feel like I can't manage everything anymore. Like if I feel like I'm not really reading through the emails and giving them real answers anymore, you know, like I've, mm. I've done that on occasion where I think I'm just skimming things, but I'm not paying attention because I have too much to focus on. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Or if I feel like I'm not really getting to help people anymore inside the Facebook group, I think that would be another indicator for me. I think it's really just if I don't have the time anymore or the energy, then it's time to make a shift. Right. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I'm really hearing how much you love answering questions inside of that Facebook group. So if it starts to feel like a drag, if you hear yourself saying things like, I don't have time. Okay. Right. Or if your marketing begins taking a back seat. Yes. It's definitely time because we're doing high volume, low price point here on your business model. So marketing always has to remain a top priority. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Great. Great. And then just a, a final thought on hiring. It's really easy, especially in the beginning in our business, to make two common mistakes. The first one is we wait to hire until we can't even see straight, right? So then it becomes... I don't have time to train this person. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a real problem. Yeah. So not only will we avoid hiring, but then we just like grab the closest person and hope that they're capable enough to figure it out. Okay, and that sure. is not respectful to your customers. It's not respectful to your business. It's definitely not respectful to your team member, your VA, whoever you hire. Okay. Yeah. So just start to look for clues right? Like when you log into your inbox, like what's your energy level even coming into it? Okay. Because often we wait too long and then we make the wrong hire because we just can't even think. And then the other one is we, <laughs> I was talking to one of my VAs yesterday and she had just recently brought on, I think three new clients and their brand new businesses. Okay. And all three of them said to her, okay, what should we do? <laughs> Just like hoping that she would somehow be their business mentor or something, right? Yeah. So we have to also be prepared to onboard and actually train and set our team member up for success. Okay. But you're yeah. already doing that by creating these customer service templates. Okay. Right? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'd have yeah. to know how to train them. So yeah. Yeah. So don't, if you can handle it, don't wait to create your customer service manual, right? Your standard okay. operating procedures. Don't yeah. wait until you hire to begin doing that. You can build that out on the fly a little bit as you're noticing the things you do more than twice in your business. Okay. I have, a maybe it's a tangent question, but yeah. when you hire somebody to do these kinds of things, like for example, I use Stripe as my main billing yeah. um, where people sign up. And so if, if I need to help somebody cancel or something, I go in there and do it. I hesitate a little bit about giving somebody access to an account like that. Is How do you know, like, is that the kind of stuff you don't delegate or can you? Because, you know, it's in my financials and mm -hmm. my income. And I just would worry a little bit about, you would hope everyone would be honest, but 
that doesn't always happen. And so I think that's one of my concerns is just, do you give a VA access to those kinds of things to do that for you or not? So the answer you're about to get is from someone who is not at all risk averse. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, I could even be a little extreme in that area. So like take that or like receive this through that filter. Okay. But if you're hiring someone who you wouldn't trust giving access to Stripe, they're probably not someone worth hiring. That's true. Because you're giving them access to your community. Yes. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I don't want to scare you, but there are trustworthy people out there in the world. Okay. There's also, especially in particular with Stripe, they send you that text message with the verification code. Oh, that's true. Stripe makes it hard to just log in and get in (laughs) there. Right? Yeah. So I think maybe Stripe is the litmus test for hiring. Right? And would I trust this person logging into Stripe? Okay. That's a good idea. And I think I'll just have to make sure I'm really selective about who I hire, obviously. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we use, I don't know if you've heard of it, but we use a tool called LastPass. So Last, L-A-S-T. And that is a fantastic, very secure password sharing platform where your VA will be able to log in to your inbox, to Stripe, to these other things without ever seeing the password. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Right. So then when they leave, you just go into LastPass and remove their access and they can't. They can't actually get into anything. They can't get into anything. That's great. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, do I have any other thoughts about that? I've had a bunch of people work for me. Here's my other thought. People are inherently good. Yeah. Right? I've been in business for 21 years. I've had a bunch of different people work for me. Some of them excellent. Some of them otherwise. (laughs) 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 And no one has ever tried to steal from my Stripe account. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Any other questions about hiring or delegating? No, I'm sure until I'm actually like at that point. Yeah. You know, it's kind of just in the, my, the back of my mind right now. So, but all of that will be very helpful moving forward. Great. So the note I'm taking here is we're going to look for clues to indicate that the time to hire is before you feel totally comfortable hiring. Right. Okay. If you wait until it's obvious, it's going to be hard to find the right person. It's going to be harder to train them. You're going to really become the bottleneck. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think if that happens, then I'm not going to be bringing in people yeah. like I need to or want to. And then it just will get harder, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, one last thing about hiring for you and for our listeners, it's easy, especially when your business is growing to ask yourself, can I afford this person, right? And so now we're relating to our VA as an expense rather than as what they really are, which is an asset. Okay. I think that's a really good way of thinking of it because in my mind, it's an expense. Yeah. It is. Even though they're helping, it's a big expense too. So I will do a mindset shift with that. Yeah. And so it's just asking like, how much will I get paid bringing this person on? And sometimes that's, oh, I don't have to be in my inbox for an hour and a half a day. I'm getting paid in time. Yes. I'm getting, oh, I don't have to do that. I could put that energy toward marketing. Look at how many more members I would be able to attract. So we really just have to shift away from viewing our team as an expense because really you haven't, if they're not an asset, you haven't made the right hire or been clear enough about what their role is and how you measure success. Okay. Got it. Great. We're just cruising here. (laughs) We are. (laughs) All right. So we talked about how does it, we're, the whole focus here, everybody, is how do we allow the business to grow instead of getting in, in the way? So we talked about pricing, and you're going to stick with that high-volume model. We talked about boundaries just so that you can continue to deliver excellent care and, and meet expectations rather than burn yourself out and begin not meeting expectations. We talked about that inside your Facebook group as well as in your inbox. 
And then hiring is a little bit down the road for you, but you're just going to watch for these clues in particular with your mood and your energy to let you know when it's time to bring on an admin person. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I did have one question um, that I've been thinking about with the growth. I don't think there's like going to be a finite answer for this, but yeah, this is a subjective question for sure. I think I'm trying to decide at what point do I say there's only, there can only be so many members in this program, but I don't, I guess I don't actually ever have to do that. Right. I mean, or is there a point where I say I'm capping it? Yeah. Okay. So it's your business, right? And you can do whatever you want. I can speak from my own experience. Yes. It's really for me about how big can the program be and I still meet my responsibilities, right? And I'll flesh that out in a minute. And the customer experience is what we intended. Yes. Yeah. Right? So there are a lot of online businesses where it's just like the more the merrier, right? Yeah. And again, if that's the experience they want to create and the level of care that they want to deliver, I'm all for it. For me, and the high, you know, the hive is not $29 a month, right? right. So it's right. a totally different conversation, but I'm very clear about the importance of capping the number of new members inside of the program every okay. year because we're incredibly hands-on. Yes. And I'm selfish. I don't want anyone else to ever be the coach. I love coaching. I want to be on those calls, right? Right. Yes. So, but there are lots of ways you can grow. So if you get to the point where you feel like, ugh, this is starting to push my limits, then one alternative is to cap the membership, right? But then you've capped your income potential and you've yes. also capped your energy, right? Yeah. But the other is, okay, what kind of support do we need to bring in in order to easily support another 50 people? Yeah. Right? So then you you grow your team, right? Okay. So it, it really depends on the experience that you want to create. I want to say the experience you've created for these first 70 people in the program doesn't have to be the experience forever. I have a feeling you're over-delivering a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. Um, well, and that's where I've been thinking about is because I've been in other coaching programs or, you know, where I've been a member and I was in one where it was like $49 a month and there were like 750 members and it was fine because all the trainings were in there and there was a Facebook group, but the creator didn't, the coach of the group, she didn't ever answer the questions. It was kind yeah. of just there and it wasn't really helpful. And so I thought, well, people are paying a lot, but it was more business oriented. And so I thought, I think that's why that works. So yeah, I think for me, I really need to think about, can I still manage? Like if I have 400 people, can I manage that and feel like I'm present for people? Right. I don't ever want to seem ingenuine yeah. to the people coming in. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as you realize, okay, I don't want a big team. So therefore I need to cap my membership at 400 people. Then the price starts to go up. Okay, got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, good. Yeah, so how big is too big? You'll know when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> and there are options. So you can always build out the support team and the systems in order to better support more members, right? Okay. Or yeah. you, you, in, you do indeed cap it and then start to raise the price. Well, and I'm hoping that I don't actually need to cap it truly in that I really hope this serves many, many people, mm -hmm. you know, because once each course is recorded, it's just in there. And so there's going to be a lot of content, like a community where people can come and go and get what they need from it. And so I don't really want to limit how many people, because I know a lot of people want this kind of help. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you about that? So if I were to join Baker Street Society, when you open enrollment again here around the corner, do I have access to everything you've ever created thus far? Yes. Okay. And yeah. how is how does that feel for you and how is that working for your audience? I think they're all fine with I mean I've they know and a lot of people have asked me that specifically. Is people have emailed me and said, "Well, I get access to what you've already done because maybe they couldn't sign up when I first did it or they didn't know about me yet." And so a lot of people are so excited that they get access to the past classes and for me I always think the more knowledge people have, the better. So I want them 
to have access to that. Yeah. I don't know. I find a lot of joy in that. So I really like that they can go back and watch classes or anything because they're going to keep learning. And I feel like they're more likely to just stay and keep learning in the program. Yeah. I think because I think I look a year down the road and there's going to be four or five courses in there already. Yeah. And so I don't know, I don't know if you have any thoughts around that, if I shouldn't do it that way, but I like that it's more of a community where people can come and see what we've done. And if they want to learn from it, they can, or they can start right where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important if you have a membership with a lot of content inside that you build out course number zero, like the welcome module. I do have that. Great. Just so people don't come in and think, oh my goodness, there's so much here. I'm already behind. I can never keep up. Okay, sure. So there are two possible pitfalls to just keeping all of the content there all the time. One of them is confusion. Okay. For the user, right? Where is that cinnamon roll class? I can't remember when that was. And now you've got more customer service. Okay. Yeah. Right? The other, and I don't really subscribe to this, the other is you could see people joining for $29, taking as much as they can, yeah. even screen recording your classes and then bouncing, which is so much more work than $29 and maybe to get a life. <laughs> but that is a consideration. But more importantly, I think there is such a thing as too much content unless it's really intentionally curated. So. Okay. Food for thought. Yeah. What you could consider doing, and maybe not right now, but what you could consider doing is having a section of maybe we call it your core classes. So these are the things that every member really, if all they did was take the core classes, they would get so much value. Okay. And that's kind of what I'm doing, actually. Okay. Great. Yes. Because aside from the holidays this year, my courses are like foundational specific. Great. Great. So you've got the section of core classes and those never change, right? Yeah. The day will come when you stop adding to them. Okay. Right. Like get the foundations done. And then we've got, because this is a higher perception of value and because it is more valuable. So you have the core classes section and then maybe you have like a, a greatest hits section. Okay. Right. And, And those can, you can swap those out as well. Okay. More isn't necessarily better. So maybe you tell yourself every season we're going to update the greatest hits section and there are always three classes in there. I'm, I'm making that number up, right? Okay. Yeah. And then you've got the two most recent classes or the five most recent classes, whatever that ends up looking like. Right now, the membership is new. So- yeah, you have five classes, yeah. right? But <laughs> right. It, as you continue doing this, you're going to want a little bit of freedom to not have to crank out new classes all the time. Yeah. And we want the user to kind of tell where they should go without feeling like they're missing out. It's too much. Where do I find stuff? So yeah. the Hive is very curriculum-based, so it's not this model. But in my former business serving actors, I had a membership, and that's what we had. We had this greatest hits that I updated seasonally. We had some core training that never went away. And then when you join, you get access to the three previous months of training. So today's May. We're recording this in May. So that means when we put the May classes up, the classes from February go away. So there's okay. March, April, and May. And when June comes up, March goes away. Well, I have a question though, because yeah. I, so there's two parts to what I do. So I because mine's kind of curriculum based in a mm-hmm. way. So like this this first course is cookies. So it's foundations of cookies, how baking works with cookies and the lessons they have to do for that. So those have to stay because it's foundational. Mm-hmm. But then I have a separate, I guess you would call it module, if you will, where it's all cookie classes. So they know where to find all the cookie classes Mm -hmm. that I taught. So when we go into summer, it will be the same thing for tarts. It will be, here's three months of tarts. Here's your lessons. Here's what you need to know. And then a separate module will be just the classes so they can always find what they're looking for. So it's really well organized. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want people to be confused when they're in there. Yeah. Great. Great. So my recommendation then would be 
pay attention. If you start to see people coming and going and coming back, right? Or if you start to see your customer service increase with questions like, where do I find X? Or, oh my gosh, how do I start? Those sort of indicators of overwhelm. And it's time to dial back the content. So you could have tarts and the foundations and then one tart class instead of all of the tart classes. Okay. Got it. So it may just be that the classes need to be dialed back. It doesn't sound like it's a problem right now. Yeah. But but, it's small right now. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a consideration also so that the tart class you record this month, you can release again next May. Oh, true. So eventually, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to continue to crank out content, you're just repurposing and recycling and highlighting different things. Well, and that was a question I had was because I don't want to do two classes a month for the next five years. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. I think I, I don't think I want to do it. Like one a month would be good at some point. Yeah. So that was a question is how do people perceive the value still when you shift that I, or yeah. They will, it just, if your course platform is organized and remember nothing is bad news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So instead of like, I like, unfortunately we're going to roll it back to just one class a month. It's like great news, right? We're entering summer and I know everyone's got a bunch of travel plans. So effective this month, right? We'll have one class a month and I will hand pick some of the greatest hits of other classes so that you can pick and choose, but you don't have to show up live. For example, I don't even know if you're doing it that way, but so start to think about how you can shift your model to this core training, greatest hits, and then whatever is most recent. Okay. So that, again, we're just setting you up to one day not have to create anything (laughs) new. Yes, because I thought down the road, eventually, wouldn't it just be nice if it was just there, you know? Yes. And and maybe just adding something here and there, but not like what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if it's all just there, you will start to see a, a drop in retention. Yes. Right. Naturally, so we just, we like think. keep it fresh every season in the same way that you are naturally now. Okay. Because you're creating everything. Yes. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Great. Are you clear on your next steps around that? Yes. Great. There was one other thing that I think we need to address. You mentioned it at the beginning of our recording today, which is enrollment windows. Yes. yes. That's one. I debate in my mind constantly about, so right now it's like open enrollment is a week or two before a course starts. And then it goes for like a week and a half because most of the time they have to get some baking equipment and things just that they'll need for the classes. So I want to make sure they have time to do everything. So then I close enrollment until the next three months or two months, whatever it is. So I like that because then I'm contained with the same people Mm -hmm. for those months and Like as is the case now, most of the bakers from cookies are continuing on to tarts. So they just will roll over and with all the new bakers. But there's also the other piece where, you know, you have a few people drop out here and there because of whatever. Somebody told me they had to have surgery. So, you know, people, people have, people just have things. And so they're they're not going to stay indefinitely. And so I thought that's okay. That's totally fine because I know that's a natural part of this process, but would it, would it be better to leave it just as open enrollment or, or is that something down the road when it's built out more that I leave it as open enrollment? Great question. My suggestion would be that you wait until the, like all of the training is built out. So when when we're having conversations about what is the programming every year now that I've got all of the core content done, then that's a good time to start thinking about when you want to launch Right. Okay. But I envision some sort of a hybrid model. So the hive is rolling enrollment. I just believe that you should join when it's the right time for you instead of when I say the cart is closing. The potential downside to that is it stays on someone's list and there's never a reason to join today. Yeah, that's true. It was interesting. We just did a live webinar launch for the hive and had a little cohort of people join. And everyone who joined said to me a version of, I've just been waiting for the perfect time. 
Okay. Interesting. And so I actually had to create the perfect time for them. <laughs> I had to create it. Okay. Right. So rolling enrollment, I think, has its benefits, but now we're just shifting to to a hybrid model where okay. there's rolling enrollment. You can join when it feels right for you. And we will live launch with like special bonuses or incentives to maybe even three times a year to help okay. those people who need that kind <laughs> of invitation right? Yeah. To also take action. Um, I have a question around that. Yeah. So w- with what I do now, it's real. My email list is my, is wh- where all of my people are coming from. Yeah. So I'm not doing, it's a live launch, but I'm not doing like a webinar or anything mm-hmm. when I do it. Is that something I need to consider? Like I've even thought maybe I need to do a free class just so people get a feel for what I do, but yeah. I don't, but I don't want to do that every three months. Totally. Necessarily. Totally. I'm going to make up the months here. So okay. don't That's fine. Like, put any weight behind this, but let's just pretend that you live launch in January, April, and September. Okay. Maybe the January live launch is an open house. Okay. Where people come, you give them a tour of the program. You highlight what this coming season is going to look like. And then it's, so you would have promo emails for the open house. Okay. And then shifting to sales emails after the open house, shifting to sales emails for enrollment. Okay. Okay. So open house is really just like, here's what's inside. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe the April launch is an email only launch, like email and social. There's no event for people to sign up for leading up to it. And then maybe the September launch is a free cooking class. Oh, Okay. So I don't have to do it the same every every time. Yeah. Now, I will say your audience doesn't need you to mix it up. It's okay. you who needs to mix <laughs> okay. it up. You could okay. deliver the same intro class all three times. Okay. And it would not be a problem at all. But if you if that's boring for you or you want to test what converts the best, you could mix it up. But do you feel that there's a need, like with the way I'm doing it right now where I don't have a webinar, is that even necessary? That's such a good question. Okay. So you had seven, am I remembering it right? You had 79 enrollments. It's 73. 73. 73. Yep. How big was your email list? I want to say it was like 1,400. Okay. So I'm doing 73 divided by 1,400. You had five five percent of your community okay. join. Okay, uh, like in the coaching in the online coaching world, you can anticipate one to three percent of your mailing list buying okay. whatever scaled offer you launch. So, if we just looked at that data, don't change a thing. Okay, right. But what it means is you have to continue building your list. Yeah. Now I'm at two thousand, so Great. I am growing. Great. So now you're at two thousand. So here's what I propose: Let's stick with email only launching until okay. that five percent conversion starts to creep down to three. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then you might see. All right, the people in my community they need a different form of an invitation. Okay. But for now, if you're con- if you're five percent of your list is signing up, don't change a thing. Okay. That's cool. good to know. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. On the next episode of Coaches on a Mission, Camille's going to teach us all how to <laughs> write high converting emails. <laughs> I don't know. If people just like food, that's what it is. Yeah. They like baking. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Great. Well, we covered a lot of ground. Do you feel like we have addressed our goal today, which was how to manage and support the growth of your membership? Yes, I feel a lot clearer on what I need to do going forward. I think a lot of these questions, I've just had big question marks around them. And now I feel like I can make a better plan for what I need to do. Great. Yes. Great. And any questions you have about implementing the plan, bring it to a Hive call and we can take this further. Great. Okay, I will. Thanks, Camille, for joining us today. Thank you, Dallas. My pleasure. And thank you for tuning in. We will see you back here next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. 
I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So let's be Insta friends. Head on over to Instagram and look for my new handle. Again, it's Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. You can do that now and you just might find some funny reels while you're there. So believe me when I tell you, it'll be worth it. Okay, thanks again for tuning in. I truly appreciate that you make time to listen to this show and I hope you have a wonderful week.